0: When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the uh, very special edition of Roots Chief Podcast. Podcast. Um, this week, we're joined by Mr. Bernie Burns, nope. Matt Hollum, CEO. Gray Haddock, supervising producer, uh, and Gus Cerola, as usual. And,
0: um, I mean, I don't know, there's some of you, I'm sure, that are watching the podcast who might not read the the website or might not follow us in various forms of social media. But uh, for those of you who weren't aware already, um, uh, last Thursday, our dear friend Monty Ohm had a simple medical procedure, and afterwards he had an extreme allergic reaction. He lost consciousness, and over the course of the last week, he's been hospitalized. He did not regain consciousness, and we are very sorry to say that Money passed away yesterday, Sunday, February 1st, at about 4.34 in the afternoon. And so, Uh, Last week, we missed the podcast. We did not have a live edition of it. We showed the PAX panel because we were dealing with this crisis at that time, but we weren't yet comfortable enough to really talk about it publicly um, because when Monty lost consciousness, he didn't really have a chance to tell us what his wishes would be. So we wanted to respect his privacy as much as we could. That being said, um, if we missed two podcasts in a row... On Monty's behalf, I don't think Monty would have liked that very much. I don't think I don't I don't think he would have. No. I you don't. know,
1: despite the fact he, you know, wasn't didn't feature regularly on the podcast. Uh he was here most Mondays, uh, mooching pizza or uh <laughs> watching off on the sides over here. Or
0: uh, or he would he would be in his office and as he always did, he always was watching something and making something at the same time. That was yeah. kind of his MO. And uh he'd have the Rishi podcast on and then he would stop to make sure to tweet at me that we had already talked about this <laughs> <laughs> or <laughs> tell me in a way that I was wrong. But he also had suggestions. When we were looking for something to talk about, Monty also had suggestions all the time of like,
2: you know, talk about this or do that as well. And sometimes listening very loudly in that little room back there. I was always concerned there was going to be a feedback loop that was yeah. emanating from Monty's corner You in the, the podcast.
1: Jack um, wrote a journal talking about some of his uh, memories of Monty today, and he posted it on the website. And he uh, told a story I'd forgotten about, which was when we were uh, out shooting the first immersion, which was the uh, video game car, that uh, you know we were between takes and <clears throat> we were between setups and uh, we were all standing around and we were like, do you hear heavy metal music? <laughs> like, what, where is that coming from? And uh, that was the first time I experienced Monty in power down mode. He was just off to yeah. the side with his headphones in, full blast, and he was, uh, totally asleep we went up we were like are are you are you okay do you want to do you want to turn that down a bit and he just like woke up for a second
2: it was loud enough that outside with the wind blowing like 20 miles per hour you know at this big wide open space and everybody's running around yelling that it sounded like you know the music was playing out of a boom box (laughs) it was was directly in his ears and he was he was just sleeping it was amazing He was just out yeah he was hilarious
3: I'm certainly wonder if yeah. I have to keep a the tradition over in the animation department of, of of just blasting that
1: sound system from
3: time to time, just to kind of keep everyone going.
2: Yeah,
1: should be a rite of initiation, like uh, during a during during an all nighter, like the, <laughs> the newest person on the team has to wear the has to wear the headphones and, <laughs> yeah. and sit there and, uh, and animate. The crazy yeah, yeah. thing
0: was is where we filmed immersion. Uh, we didn't realize at the time, but it was a block away from where we are now. Mm-hmm. Like we came out to the old airport because it was the only tarmac where we thought we could run this truck privately without the cops stopping us you know with our blow-up dolls and monty and frank dressed as yakuza
1: he they beat the he, shit out of me i world. was gonna say they, he beat the shit out of me he did not him he did not pull punches he <laughs> he got me good i was I, I had a bad bruise on my side from where he kicked me for uh for like for like a week and a half that after was a that. very
2: physical shoot i remember jack also got like a horrific sunburn I'm surprised you remember anything else jack from that experience but also we, we hadn't been working with monty we worked with monty for a while i guess at that point but not doing much stuff out of the office Have we made that short so here's the deal that? so
0: uh the first pax east was when we showed the pilot episode of immersion it was also the first oh, time right. we debuted
2: monty's work that's right so monty had been working for us it was like in s- total secret for six, six months. months yeah, yeah. so we've been working with him but we hadn't done that much outside of the office and you never know if somebody when you go out on on set or in the field what their personality is going to be like how it's going to be different then, you know, in the office and it turns out he's just as crazy <laughs> outside the office as he was in yeah. and really enjoyed beating you guys up. Yeah, he that was a fun day to show
0: how unfamiliar we were with Monty at the time. I said I felt nervous by asking him to play like essentially an Asian character in in a sketch. So I asked him that. Of course, he was completely fine with it. And then I asked him, Do you have like a crazy suit that you could wear? <laughs> Something like really high fashion. <laughs> I never, because I didn't know at that point in time. That was before I had I seen think Monty. His, re- his
2: response was, How many do you need? <laughs> <laughs> Let me show you my collection of wigs <laughs> that I have. But, but
0: uh yeah, and it's um it was crazy to think, like, you know, Monty being a guy who he was so meticulous about the way he presented everything was so meticulous about the work that he did the way he presented himself at conventions uh all the time you know he just he he dressed to the nines and never dressed the same way twice that i can recall it was amazing to me that somebody knowing him now in hindsight that he could go six months with like zero limelight working so hard Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. just knowing that this moment was coming you know
1: You know, I was thinking about that uh, today. I was thinking about the time we premiered his work there at uh, at PAX East, at the first PAX East. Uh And uh, I I, I never thought about it until today. Like That's the building where I met him for the first time. I met him at Anime Boston in 2007. Right. uh, The week that he had released Haloid. And um, I remember we saw it and we shared it all amongst the office like crazy. And I think independently all of us emailed him immediately saying, (laughs) you need to come work for us. And uh, it's like it's one of the few – fanboy moments I've ever had at a convention was he emailed me back and I was like, I'm gonna get to meet Monty. Yeah. Like I was I was so I was so excited about it. And uh he came by the booth and you know we we went off and got like coffee there in the convention center. And we talked for like an hour about, you know, his process and how he did things. Um so it was really cool. You know, three years later he you know he didn't come work for his teeth immediately. He went and worked uh for in the video game industry. But eventually he came back, and it was cool three years later to have the big unveiling and be there with him, you know, when we showed off the warthog breaking through the wall.
2: Well, that was funny, too, because I think everybody did email him immediately and was like, you're badass, you got to come work for us. But then there was a conversation that we had where we were like, yeah, so, you know, we should do stuff together. And he was like, okay, cool. And then that was it. And then he went and took the job of the video game. He went to work for Midway. And in then Chicago. later he said to us, "Oh, you guys were trying to hire me. I thought you were just like messing around. Like, what did you think we were calling you? I, I didn't know what your plans were for." Oh, cool. Okay. Well, so let's work together now. So, and it was oh, cool.
0: It was years later he uh, went to work for Midway and then moved out to the West Coast after he changed jobs in the video game industry. And that's when I caught up with him again. Is uh, Kale Anonymous, uh, who used to run? Is it Etsy? Is that how you say it? Et cetera at Machinima. Um, He had a panel and he invited me to be on it. I was like, oh man, I've never been on a panel at Comic-Con. I don't know. What's that all about? And I looked at the list of people and on there was Monty Ohm. And so I said, oh, absolutely. Monty Ohm's going to be there, I'd love to talk to him and see what he's up to. And I think it was like three years after we tried to hire him the first time uh, that we went out there because it would have been, you know, the Buda office, Gus, and then all the way to Congress, Mm -hmm. like halfway through our stay at Congress. And uh, yeah, we went on the panel together and, uh, you know, Monty's... Just is very sure of himself, but he doesn't talk a lot in those mm-hmm. scenarios. He doesn't. He doesn't do that kind of thing. Yeah, and, uh, that was
3: that. That was. I mean, that's how I knew him for the first large chunk of time. I guess by this point, you guys were at six three six, and um, uh, this was RVB nine. So he'd been with you guys for what a little over a year at that point.
0: RVB nine. Yeah, he, so his first day was the last day of season seven. So, yeah. The, okay. He he secretly worked on a shot in season seven remember, Reverse Blue, the laser face shot. Because right. I had done it with, like, a Spartan
1: laser, like, kind of faked it. And Bonnie's like, oh, that could be better. I remember you <laughs> setting that shot up. In order to try to plate it correctly and make it look right, you covered the television in post-it notes. Do you remember that?
0: Because I had to line it back up again.
1: Yeah, and you only were, like, trying to expose the parts of the shot that were supposed to line up and everything else was covered in a sea of post-it notes. Yeah, And I think that's when he walked in. He saw that and he was like, no. <laughs> you're, you're, just, like, you're just disgusted at your process. <laughs> yeah. We...
0: Yeah, that's when we had to like match shots in uh, in theater mode in Halo. We would have to do that. Oh, but- crazy! but oh,
3: nothing. Just doing, uh, you know. So I, I um, met him early in in RVB nine, and I was just doing VFX at the time. And uh, a bunch of us were in the upstairs part of the office, and I think uh, you know Monty more or less had the downstairs, like the entire back soundstage green screen area was his domain. And, you know, by as RVB9 ramped up, one or two more folks were, were occupying that space. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, it, it was just kind of crazy to go downstairs and, uh, be where you know all of his stuff was spread out. You could see all the chemicals and the props and the costumes. The and, chemicals, yeah, and, and and, and all that. the Nerf stuff. I mean, I think you know he's probably the, the originator of, of half all the Nerf weaponry that's ever been around here. But um, probably, yeah, yeah. Just walking downstairs because uh, all this animation would get del- delivered to post, and it was just crazy stuff. And I knew that the guy who had worked on Haloid was was down there somewhere. Went downstairs and just wanted to say hello. And I think he, I, I, I distinctly remember that the first words I got out of him were. A, for <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> at least like the two or three times and eventually you know you get the rhythm of conversation going and then you realize that you can geek out about the same stuff and just it takes off from there. Oh, absolutely. But, but yeah, I think he was still kind of getting used to the fact that the company was still growing and new faces were starting to show up and he didn't have the whole, you know, 2000 square foot <laughs> things as uh, his stage quite to himself anymore. But
0: Yeah, but he was never he was never like a huge like an order, like a huge talker, like your panels. He'd be very quiet on the podcast. He mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he was definitely somebody who was so dedicated to his work that to, that's what how he wanted to impress people was that way. At the same time, you know, I think everyone here can tell a story of like being here for whatever reason at like midnight or 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. one night just for whatever reason they were here and then they get in the two-hour conversation with Monty about mm-hmm. something, whether it was like Matrix movies or, you mm-hmm. know, Monty loved the Game Grumps, you know, or just everything, everything and anything. Monty was constantly consuming lots of different stuff and was, was a huge fan of so many different things. Yeah. yeah. That's the wonderful I,
3: thing about it. just losing sense of time while talking to him was always the the neatest little trick. You know, no, no matter what you were going to deep dive, whatever you were going to geek out about, and then you would blink and realize that three hours had gone by and then you didn't uh-huh. get back to the your shot or whatever. So. Yeah.
2: I thought that was really cool about him that he he did like basically everything in the world, you know, every kind of content. And he wasn't cynical about anything. I never like can remember a time where he, you know, made fun of somebody else's work or said something else wasn't cool enough or, or whatever. He just like could always find something really interesting and compelling about everything and wanted to talk about everything. He, you know, like, I mean, anything from, you know, big budget Hollywood movies to little independent movies to anime stuff to anything you find on the web. I mean, like you say, love game grumps so you love gaming videos and just pretty much anything under the sun. And he would always um, find something that was unique that you hadn't thought of about it as well.
0: Well, he thought it was a, I, I, he always said that he felt like that was a big part of our culture now is watching things. And then, you know, using those things. It's like, you basically take, your experience in the world and turn it around as a you acts like as a filter and then like create something new and exciting, you know, based on the total aggregate experience of everything that you've seen and done.
1: And that that was fascinating to me when he first came to work for us was to 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 see him work and all the time have something in a secondary monitor that he was watching at the same time or observing. Uh, I remember when uh, years af- years af- after after he had been here for a few years when Avatar came out on Blu-ray, yeah, he watched Avatar on half speed. Like on a loop, yep, nonstop. He had and to get a
0: special player that would play the whole movie at half speed, and, uh, <laughs> no sound. Yeah, with no sound. He yep. just
1: wanted to see the way that everybody moved, the actors moved, and you know the computer-generated uh, characters moved, and just to try to study, you know, the motion, which seems like most people wouldn't even think to, to look at that. It's like, oh, it looks good, so you ignore it. But no, it looks so good, you want to really drill down and uh, and understand it.
3: He never stopped being a student as good as he got at everything else uh, that he would never stopped learning and that was something that I'd, I always found inspiring and I know that everyone in the animation department felt the same way and you know there was there was nothing that didn't have any value there was it, everything no matter whether it was a Hollywood A-list title or something someone uh, produced on their own just through online or whatever is that there was always something that you could learn in terms of white worked or sometimes why it didn't
0: mm-hmm.
3: and he was constantly studying
2: mm-hmm.
0: You know, I got to, I got a chance to talk to you, and I'm, Matt, I think you did too. I got a chance to talk with uh, Monty's older sister during this last week when she was in town um, to see him and uh, to hear about experiences when he was younger that he would just, you know, want something, not figure out how to get it, or they couldn't afford it, and he would just build it, find a way to build it himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was, it was really special to me that she got a chance to come here and and look at his workspace and you know see how like all these little contraptions and things that he's like built you know that you go in his office it's like all these trinkets that are like disassembled and reassembled back into something else or like not
1: even you know even like trinkets like from different objects you know he would take apart multiple objects and then recombine them and recontextualize them into into new ways some (laughs) uh, a couple stories that uh i heard in the last week which explains so
3: much um uh Apparently, in, in the household growing up, you couldn't leave him unattended with electronics because you would leave the room and then come back in. Whatever it was was disassembled. <laughs> so you just kind of figure out how it worked. There was another one which uh, uh, apparently he had a tendency to uh, run around unclothed quite a bit as a kid, which now I get um, why he was running around all the time here wearing nothing but the mocap suit day in and day out. <laughs> that which was just, like a was that skin. Was his mode.
2: There was a period when he first got that mocap suit and he was so excited about us having mocap in the office that i don't think he took the suit off for like <laughs> five six days straight i don't know what was it jack it was just like i mean yeah it was it was the the suit had its own baked in monty essence so I didn't know that week <laughs> that that was he p- would go to the coffee shop and restaurants just down the block with the balls on it yeah. it's like
0: he i mean he lived in that suit we'd see on the monitor just like this like 3d model eating a saying (laughs) what you're drinking down the block we do we do money was worth that was that's probably the one of the harder moments that i've had in this past week was i came back in here and his uh his mocap suit was hanging on a hook on Mm. on the back of his door and that was that was a tough that was a tough moment for me to see that because i'm not used to seeing that thing
2: inactive you know well then you know you mentioned his sister talking about her stories of him as a kid and you know, I was talking about him just being desperate to get, you know, Lego blocks, like not a not a set of, you know, like Star Wars prepackaged Legos or whatever, like, you know, we buy kids today, but it's just, you know, he, he just wanted anything he could create with. He was like desperate to create all the time. And he's still, you know, he was that way throughout his life. He was just like desperately creating. He just like had so much. That he wanted to get out and is like, however much time he spent on it wasn't enough. That's why he would work. He would stay up for 30 hours. Not because anybody, people told him, don't do that many (laughs) times, but he just like, he could not help himself. He got so excited about the process and just so invigorated. It's like he would be in like the 24th hour where he'd get a second wind. It's like, this is great. I got to keep going. This this is the best thing I've ever done. He's so excited. You
1: know, you talk about how his uh, sleep cycle was different and uh, The, the
2: men in black. Sleep cycles. <laughs> I, re-
1: I remember once at uh, Ralph Albenedo, we were down there, and um, it was before the the studio was fully fleshed out. It was still kind of Ralph Albenedo is our last studio, right? It was the, at the, the, old yeah. the place where
0: you know, we were like three years for the last three years. Uh,
1: I needed to, to have a meeting. We were doing uh, planning for RTX twenty twelve, I think. And uh, the meeting room, the conference room, was taken. And so I say, well, let's just go meet out in in the warehouse space. I, I don't think there's anybody in there. I peeked in; there was no one there. So uh, (laughs) I sat down at a table to have a meeting. And uh, we're like halfway through the meeting and I adjust my feet and I feel something under the table. Uh-oh. <laughs> like, what the hell is that? was under the table and Monty was curled up taking a nap. Like, I guess he was on his off cycle from his 30-hour shift and he had just like decided to, you know, take a nap there right by his computer. And I was like, we've been having this meeting for like 15 minutes and he <laughs> he's just He's just out. I was like, we got, we got to go somewhere else.
3: Normally you just have to Surprise. peel him off of his keyboard. You know, he's just yeah. sort of, you know, passed out right at his workstation. But yeah.
0: That was also, it was one of the, frustrating things about working with him too is that he was always creating stuff and so we'd be coming up on a major deadline you know for animation sometimes it'd be like 30 weeks in a row we were working on something and it's like hey there's a deadline two weeks it's like money what are you what are you doing he's like i'm making i'm i've been spending the last week of my time making these mechanized robotic angel wings and he like look i attached it to a servo and i can make them flex on their own it's for a cosplay i was like yeah, that is that good. that's cool. Can you, can you not do that for like a month <laughs> or so? <laughs> he just built that. He just thought, it'd be cool to have a pair of robot angel wings. I'm going to do that. And he built himself. I don't know of time
3: <laughs> that he wasn't working on three things at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, constantly. Yeah. Heat of production. We could be crunching on, on anything. And um, there's the show in front of him. Uh there's uh the next thing he's designing on the side. It could be uh you know, uh ideas for a video game or or what have you. And then he's always thinking one year out in terms of like the next show he'd want to do. You know,
1: you talk about how he's always building things and you know taking things apart and putting them together. You know that emoji with the hearts for eyes? I think that was his face when he saw the three D printer that we had That <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that's, I said that to his sister that the 3D printer showed up here and immediately went to Monty's down.
0: Somehow, <laughs> yeah. that's just how yeah. that happened. the so,
3: one-man QC department for all of Maker right now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many times he had them on the phone where he was needing new parts because he just drove it into the ground or just finding new ways to, you know, try and improve it. Well, if you guys obviously did this gear this way, it wouldn't have been breaking so much.
1: Blah blah blah. And he gave him so
3: much feedback; it was just crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing. The thing was but. constantly in production, printing, making stuff, and yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: It was uh you know, it it was definitely a big part of Monty's life was dealing with the limitations of things. I always feel like Monty was constantly coming up about the limitations, but also having an appreciation for those limitations because he's always thought the limitations made him that much more creative, trying to figure out how to get that boundless entertainment that he wanted to create but within the limitations that were just forcing him by when he was making entertainment essentially
1: yeah yeah. i mean we we saw him and we've talked about his uh way to come around limitations you know with creative solutions like you know ripping keys off of a keyboard so that he won't hit that them was the first experience I had with him yeah yeah i i think you know we he came down and we bought him a really expensive, really nice laptop. Let's call it what it is. We bought him a nicer computer than anybody else in the company had at the time. We, we were it was a so, big deal. We were so <laughs> shoestring. I I the company had not bought me a computer yet. I was just <laughs> buying my own computer and bringing my own computer to work at this point. And we bought him the super nice laptop. I was so jealous. And literally one day later, like half the keys are ripped off and first thing he did was take a screwdriver <laughs> and jam it into the caps lock key and pop it off and then the F one like, key and pop it off. What are
2: you doing?
1: <laughs> He's like, oh, well, if I hit that, then it, you know, it messes up the way I work in the program. So I just want to make sure I never hit it. And I was like, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> it was so hard to look at. Yeah. <laughs> and his keyboard in there right now is completely popped off.
0: I did not know. I somehow I this escaped my attention. My desk that I made, when we were at Ralph Albonato, I lost like, an office, and then I was like, kind of free-floating for a while. Monty ended up with my desk that oh, I was Where's the hydraulic the one? The plywood right? one. Yeah, uh, yeah the yeah. raises and lowers. And, of course, ah. he was building something on it and completely, like, burned part of it. <laughs> <laughs> There's all these deep gouges in it now. Monty ruined a lot of desks.
2: <laughs> Actually, I was looking at pictures the other day, just going through old photos, and I came across one I had forgotten about. And I turned it, showed it to Sheena. It was like, the, it was a moment where Monty had offhandedly said, oh, I think I scratched that desk. I might need a new one. I was like, oh, Okay. And then I came down and looked at it, and the desk was, like, eviscerated. It was just <laughs> completely destroyed. It had chemical stains from all the crazy, you know, stuff he would use for his epoxies and all that stuff. Oh, it was yeah. just, it was nuts.
0: He burned his own face. He chemically burned his own face one one summer. Oh, yeah. Right before Comic-Con. He, like, was working with epoxies, mixed them together, and then somehow wiped his face and Ooh. then had huge burns on his face. I was like, mommy, <laughs> that's not good.
2: You shouldn't be doing that kind of thing. No, I call it was, sisters. It was more, have, it was more it. efficient than using gloves.
0: It was. He was busier. He was busier.
2: What, what, is, your, what is
0: your absolute favorite, like, money Ohm efficiency tip? Oh, uh, uh, well,
2: the, the microwave. It's got to be the microwave.
1: right. It has to be the microwave. <laughs> you, you, so, for people who don't know the microwave, it's if you have to put something in the microwave for a minute, <laughs> instead of hitting six zero, you hit 55. Right. Because it's one number and it's pretty much a minute. It started no. first. It said first, it's going to put in <laughs>
0: 100. Zero, zero. Then you realize he could just put in 60. And that was faster because it's only two digits. But if he hits five five, it's the same thing.
3: That extra second that you would take to move your hand to hit the different keys was too much repetitively. I so, think yeah. there
0: was another layer too, where he'd go five eight, and he could do yeah, it like in a row. Yeah,
2: It was like yeah, like if he could figure out with his digits, like what was the best way to to, <laughs> to move, make his so way so down do to it. the
1: enter button or the, the.
2: I didn't. He was so obsessed with the efficiency stuff. Like the last time he was over at the house, like I was washing dishes, and he was like. I was talking, he's like looking at me, and I could tell he wasn't paying attention to anything I was saying. He was just looking at the sink. And after a minute, he goes, Your sink is not very efficient. And I was like, <laughs> What? How can a sink be more efficient? It's just like a bowl with you to th- the hole, and that's there's not much to it. And he was like, I, I can find a way. I'll make you a better sink. I'll Monty. make
0: you a better sink. Is that what he said? He'll 3D print you a sink. He'll 3D print me a <laughs> sink.
3: I think Monty is personally responsible for me finally uh, learning like uh, Windows OS keyboard shortcuts and some mm. of the tools. We were, you know, there was, he would go a little quiet or occasionally you just get this hint of a sigh if we're doing editorial reviews. And if you dare use the mouse to navigate, to get the file up or whatever, (laughs) those are precious seconds. We've been viewing footage
1: or yeah. 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 Another computer story. I mean, he held on to windows XP forever because he didn't like the windows seven interface. Yeah. Yeah. And then because it, it changed some of his shortcuts and then, you know, finally we just could not buy a new computer with, windows xp i was like i'm sorry mike (laughs) like i can make it look like windows xp we went through and would like he was searching on
2: ebay and like (laughs) everywhere was like this is the computer i want you know because it's like windows from 20 years ago he just would not move yeah Yeah. it It would be like poser 95 too yeah Yeah, Yeah, i would be
1: calling manufacturers like listen i want the computer you have for sale on your website but i don't want the os like can we just get an old copy of windows xp thrown in they're like no we don't have the driver support like I know you got a guy. You've got someone who's got to be able to do this. And eventually, we got him off of that on a Windows Seven. Yeah, that was a. We, yeah, and then we had to go through and uh, adjust the theme to give it the XP, the classic feel, because all the arrow stuff took too much resources. Mm-hmm. He didn't want uh, his his computer wasting time generating all those flourishes when it could be uh rendering faster and doing those other things there is that and yeah. of course i mean if you think he's that way
3: about os is then you know for sure he's that way about his animation software where we're like hey man new version whatever and it's like oh, this one's doing what i need to do mm-hmm.
0: you don't want to go to this other tool
3: it's like no I've, this is the one that i'm fast at right now it's getting what i need to, to you know it does what I it to do we're good
0: Yep. Well, people on Twitter are saying that we already told the podcast story before about money in the microwave. <laughs> so yeah. They're just keeping keeping the dream alive for Monty. I just sort of point out you don't have to you don't have to call us on that. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay.
2: I you know I just there were so many cool things about Monty, and I just think that the way he lived his life, where he just he didn't care you know what I mean about what anybody anybody else thought. He was just going to go do it, which was really cool. I remember one time we went to. um they're like really the first like big award show we'd ever been to. Mm-hmm. Um, like Hollywood award show was the producers guild awards. And it was, yeah, it was us. And, um, a few people that worked on, um, Ruby and RVB. And I guess it was just RVB. It was RVB 10. Right. That we were there for. And Monty was, <laughs> Monty was with us. And, uh, Bernie and I had like gone out and like rented really nice tuxes. And we we're like, you know, gonna look spiffy for the red carpet. Cause we get to walk down a red carpet and we're like, literally right behind L.O. Cool J. We were all excited about it. And Monty had gone and made himself one of his amazing outfits that he makes and looked, of course, completely different than anybody else at the red carpet. And we go out there for the walk and, you know, we start, we walk across and all these flashbulbs had been going off and, you know, people taking pictures and you hear like the, you know, yeah. like machine gun sound of, of of cameras going off for all these celebrities. And then as soon as Bernie and I walk through all the cameras turned off. <laughs> like a deafening everybody, silence. Everybody took time to like do maintenance on their cameras yeah. at that point. Like, so hey, like, let me switch the setting. Who are these guys? Not two idiots. Just let them pass through. Like they didn't take one picture of us. Maybe like one. Like a guy was like, okay, fine, you know. And we get to the other side, and then Monty walks up, looking super cool, and just like you know, like somebody out of this world. You know, you know, he's like always hit, walked in. He made it. a... Com- a, you know a grand entrance he was he, always prepared he, if style. like
0: a michael jackson or k-pop video broke out he'd yeah. be ready he'd be <laughs>
2: and all the, the cameras sure enough go and they're just taking pictures of him like crazy there's like this yeah. guy's got to be somebody and he was somebody and
0: remember, I remember he wandered good. up to russell simmons Yes, yeah, <laughs> right so what he wanted he said saw russell simmons world famous producer walked up to tug he goes i think i know him <laughs> like and he wandered across <laughs> and said hi do you see russell simmons go what they looked at money goes <laughs> Get a little nod.
3: I don't. I can't think of another rock star animator. Uh, no, he was a rock star. Yeah, yeah he was. A well, that was the thing. Star. I mean, so um, the last couple of RTXs. Uh, you know, for one thing, yeah. So I think we're gonna have to up our game in terms of our our fashion sense at the conventions. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He he would occasionally like say something. You guys, come on. You, you wear this to the office every day. What, what do you? You have your your Converse and your T shirts and the jeans and whatever and you know, show them something special. Where, yeah. where, are yeah. your ro- Deficit. Deficit. where are your yeah. robotic wings? <laughs> <laughs>
2: you gotta get on that. You but
3: know. um the yeah, his entrances at the the panels were something to behold.
1: Yeah, back yeah. at uh RTX twenty twelve, um we uh rented a pump it up machine okay. and uh, <laughs> put it on the floor so that uh he could uh go out and dance on it and uh, like have basically exhibitions showing people how awesome he was and we had this giant banner printed up. I don't know if you remember it. It said the Monty Ohm Experience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, I uh, I found it the other uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago, uh, going through storage. And uh, uh, I thought, you know, nobody wants this, right? And I went over and uh, I grabbed Monty. I was like, hey, you remember the uh, Monty Ohm Experience banner? I, I found it. Do you want it? He goes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he came and grabbed it and uh, took it back. uh he hung it backwards. in his bedroom? I don't, I don't know where it is, but... Uh, <laughs> He, uh, he he kept it. It was it was an awesome photo. It was a it was it was really really cool. We're going to have to uh uh do something with that.
3: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we uh I think we've over time we've hung some of the um like the the store banners, the photos of of people. Yeah. Um yeah, we kind of like it was the the master of the dojo. We had his up there uh downstairs at 636 for the longest longest time. But uh you guys um so it sounds like some people have stopped by his office in, in the last week or so. Have you have you been by?
0: Yeah, I went by earlier this week. Yeah, um, you know, and then uh, uh, we took his sister uh, Tia on a walk through as well. Um, yeah, it's different. You know, yeah. it's it's different to see it. I mean, money also he also did work from home a lot. You know, just because he liked to work. You know, wherever he was most
2: comfortable. Yeah, and he worked uh, in the car sometimes he while driving. Coffee shops.
0: You know, when he was out of town, he would do that too um vacations were like torture <laughs> it yeah. seemed like yeah. for
1: monty sometimes yeah we, uh, I, I don't have a
3: vacation he ever took where he didn't bring at least one laptop and the latest assets for the show he's working on and whatnot I'd, he would always come back and he would have like three more characters built <laughs> and uh you know the next flight ready to go i'm like you were supposed to be having downtime it's like for him that was yeah. downtime I,
1: I think it was pax east 2013 where um we were flying up there, and we, our flight was supposed to be Austin to Dallas to Boston, but the Dallas to Boston flight got canceled. Uh, so I had to scramble, and re, I rebooked all of us to fly into New York, and then we had to rent a van and drive from New York up to Boston. And uh, we were going to be premiering the uh, Blake trailer at uh, mm. at that PAX East, and so we landed in uh, in New York, and it's like I don't know, it was like a three hour drive, I guess, to get to Boston, three and a half hour drive. So you know, we got in the car, started driving, and Monty busted out his laptop and you know, the whole time he, he worked until the laptop stopped until like the battery was gone. It was like, you know, closed it up Then he powered down. I think we have an RT life video of that. And I think Carrie's back there. And I think, uh, he just, you know, put his head down and powered down and Carrie started or so, I I think it was Carrie. Someone started like filming him just in power down mode and without moving his head, just reached out and punched the camera. (laughs) Like he knew exactly where it was. It was, it was, uh, it was so, it was so badass And, uh, I was sorry. I was driving. I only got to see it in the rear view mirror. I wish, uh, I, wish I had been back
2: there. Hmm. Yeah. He did have eyes not just in the back <clears throat> of his head, like everywhere. I mean, he was crazy. He, I mean, the we talked about before how he could watch all those monsters simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And it did seem like if there was a foreign object flying at him from somewhere, like when we were at the, uh, was that, I think it was PAX. It was another PAX. Where the guy came up and threw the lemon the lemon punch, yeah, oh and god, was yeah, smack and punched you right back at the guy. That was hilarious. Yeah,
1: I think, yeah, that, yeah, that was, that was, that was amazing. That's one of one of the standout memories that uh, that I, I I always equate with Monty. Yeah, I, and I feel lucky to have been on the stage. Yeah. and uh, to have seen that first time. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah uh, the I think one of the hardest things in all this is. Like Greg was saying earlier, Monty's always working, always like working on new stuff. And it's, it's, we'd just been in the process of talking with Monty about like what was next. I mean, that's how Ruby came about is that, you know, Monty had done about three seasons on Red versus Blue. And we said, you know, Monty, this show's going to last a long time, you know, and you can be the lead animator for Red versus Blue for years and years, but is there anything that you want to do? And he was, said, let me show you this. And he showed, the first thing he showed me was a scythe that turned into a gun. And I said, okay, I'm sold. This looks good whatever this is and then went into it and then he made the ruby red trailer uh himself as like a test concept and uh you know the stuff that monty was working on i think the saddest part of all of this is just um you know there's a there's a there's a lot of ruby left that that monty's worked on um and you know he's talked with us over the years and talked with his team that basically hand selected himself to you know tell them of, of ideas that he had for it and places he wanted to see it go so I I feel safe in that, but I I do feel sad about the loss of those things that we'll never see. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, that work that he just didn't have time to to make. Yeah. There's
3: um. Yeah, I think uh, the question, "What would Monty do?" is probably going to be coming up a lot. Um, we were talking about the office a little bit ago. There was, you know, we we were wondering, do we do we close the door? Do we leave it open? And it's like, no, we're going to leave it open. Um, it's if. If if you're looking for just a, a little spark of, of crazy genius, I'd I highly recommend just standing in there for just a moment. Um and and seeing what shakes loose. Uh
0: you might if, find something like a desk of yours. <laughs> or, <here. yeah, laughs> you or if you're looking kissing. for various
3: pieces of missing furniture. Um Yeah. Uh it's it's not going to be the same. It can't be, but we can only, you know, we can be inspired by him and we can keep raising the bar.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a big part of what Monty did in my life was keep raising the bar. Keep, yeah. You know, USA Gray, he always said, move, keep moving keep, forward. Keep moving forward. I I, don't, I I lost count of how many times I heard him say it. Keep moving forward.
3: Um, whether you were in the middle of a production or that was advice to the crew sometimes between productions, there's always, you know, once or twice a year, there's this sort of bittersweet moment where um, – Uh, after being in the trenches with everybody for months and months at a time, a production needs to wind down and, um, you're not entirely sure when the next one's going to start. You know, it's coming, but you can't say for sure. And, uh, you know, we would gather folks and he would, he would just tell, look, just, just get through, just survive the next couple of months, go do something creative um, go study, go explore, go refill your creative well, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, but keep moving forward, and then we will all get back together again, and we will get moving on the next thing. Yeah, and um, it's you know uh, throughout every single day of of the last week and a half. I mean, I I don't know when I haven't been thinking that. Now,
2: I lo- I love that that was a, a phrase of his because you know you don't kind of think of these things until you have the benefit of hindsight, but that's just sums up Monty entirely where he, he had to keep moving. He had to keep doing, he had to keep creating, he had to keep being Monty, (laughs) which was an amazing thing to be. And, um, I'm, I'm really glad he he left with left us with that as a mantra. It's like he inspired us in in a lot of ways and, um, he will continue to inspire us.
0: Yeah. He, uh, You know, it's 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 very sad that Monty's gone, but I mean, he accomplished so much in 33 years. I mean, if you think about everything that he's done, the work he did on *Rivers Blue*, creating his own show that's loved by millions of people, you know, it's going to be distributed now in Asia by Warner Brothers. Uh, It's just amazing, and it's like it's almost like Monty had a sense of you know of time of his limited time because of the urgency that he had in his life, you know, and in a way his greatest enemy at at the end of it all was basically time dying at 33 is just, it's just such a, such a tragedy, you know? And, uh, but he made, he absolutely made the most out of his years and made the most out of like literally every moment he tried to like, you know, make it as good as it could possibly be. And on a a smaller level, whenever we were working on projects, it was always time was the factor of like, this, this has to come out. I want to make it bigger and better, bigger and better, bigger and better. And then it's just always time was always the limiting part of it to him. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember there was a couple times I mean, there was a couple times we were done. I mean it's like this is a lot of times it's like people just want the relief of the person in charge saying, Okay, this is done. It's locked, we're out. Monty's like, I think I have one more scenes. Like, Monty, please. <laughs> please. We we have no there, we need to burn this D V D tomorrow morning at seven a.m. There's not time for <laughs> eight more shots in the sequence that we're talking about. He's like, I think we can do it. I think we can do it. And there's oh, like several times that we yeah. that we did it because Monty drove that and said, I want to get this done. And uh And he did and he got it done.
3: Some of my most favorite touches on productions from the last couple of years are things that we got in there the last night. Yeah. I mean, like, you've got everything planned out. The scene was fine as it is. And then he had one more cool idea. And it's like, you know, screw it. You didn't need to sleep tonight, right? Come on, <laughs> yeah. let's just, let, let's go for yeah. it. Come on, knows, you know the pain is temporary, knew, hardest forever. Let's go
0: ahead and you know, knock this thing out. Sleep tonight, so yeah, yeah. yeah. adopt so that thirty hour day. day. <laughs> What's wrong with you?
1: Um, yeah.
0: So, well, uh, if we wanted to come on tonight because, um, you know, Monty was let me, well, everything we've talked about tonight, Monty was somebody who really valued, you know, working uh, and really. Uh, like doing it. He still did enjoy his life. Um, some of you are learning for the first time that he was married last year, uh, married Sheena. Um did, didn't talk about that very much publicly, um, although they were inseparable for the course of the last year and a half. Um you know, like I said at the top of the show, if we can miss one podcast uh for Monty's sake, uh when we were at all at the hospital kind of taking care of him or doing what we could to, uh but there was no way in hell we could get away with missing two on his behalf. There's no way he would have tolerated that. Yeah. So, um, but we do want to thank you all for tuning in tonight. Uh, we said it up front. This would probably be a shorter version of the podcast. And, um, I just, uh, I just want to say how much we, we miss Monty already. Um, because I have any closing thoughts.
1: Um, yeah, I was a big fan. That okay. was a big fan. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, uh, we, actually, uh, we actually prepared a little video to show you of Monty's work. Um, he's a very bright light, burned for a short time, 33 years, but we love him very much. We miss you, Monty. Hello, Mr. Monty Ohm.
4: Hello, Bertie. I was very excited about the moment my first scene showed up at a convention. No one had any idea what to expect. We got a full house from the Ruby Panel RTX 2014. With Red versus Blue and Rooster Teeth as a company, there's a lot of things we hope to create to make people happy in ways they couldn't wouldn't expect. Red, white, black had yellow because of Asian. <laughs> It's it's easy to forget to sleep when you're working on something cool. So you just work as hard as you can and still it's there's never enough time. So the thing you gotta learn to is essentially let go. What we end up making is always larger than what we think it'll be. I do believe thoroughly in giving everything you got towards whatever you're doing at the time. My favorite thing this time around was sharing it with everyone else, my colleagues, my friends, who all worked on this project. For for the longest time, it was just assumed we ended up here for some reasons that we don't need to think about. But we tend to be masters of our own fate. The only thing that stops us from doing the really cool things is time. And we're in a huge fan culture. Where everything is has spawned off of something. If you if you look at something and you intend to use it, you have to emulate it, which means you have to understand it. I've landed in a very unique place where, if I want to make a costume of something, I can also make the character that it's derived from. Nine thirty favorite person. He's amazing. At the end of the day, we're still looking at people and they need to behave like people as an animator. There are things you need to notice that most people wouldn't be seeing. The most important thing, you do this as often as you can, watch movies or watch shows or watch things. Just keep your eyes open. There's a lot of destiny, really. I mean, very few people have the luxury of doing exactly what they want to do as their job. There's never a day where I forget that. Moving forward, is I always think about what's next. So like, I, I'm, I'm super excited to finish what we have so that I can just start working on something else.